Coming up next on The Jeff Curley Show, we're going to talk about how to rise to the top of any organization with a nationally known leadership expert, his journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Curley, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is The Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I came up during a time when the boss said, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> and as an employee, you just went with it. Well, these days, Gen Z's, millennials, they want a seat at the table. And to get there, they sometimes talk to a man like the man sitting next to me, Bill Tingle. He's the founder and CEO of Tingle Leadership. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. Well, you've been doing this for a while. Tell us more about your background. Yeah, so I've spent 30 years in leadership, in particular technology leadership. I started out as a software engineer, and I've, fortunately, early on, I had really good mentors, and at, at my 20 years, and I hired a coach, and so I was able to rise to senior-level positions uh, pretty, pretty quickly in my career. And when you look at these new um, employees that are coming right out of college and they're like, okay, how many vacation days do I get? Do I get the corner office? I mean, it's different. It's very different. I think when I rose up in my career, it was all about hard work, working long hours and putting your time in. And today, uh, the younger generation, they want better work-life balance. And I think we have to work with them on that. Sure, and I, I, I suppose we can all learn from the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. Are they willing to put in the, their, you know, pay their dues? They're definitely willing to pay their dues. And in, in particular, they wanna produce great results. They want their work to be meaningful. They wanna do challenging work and they want mentorship and guidance. And we can probably learn something from them in, as far as technology and different ways to do things. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the things we run into as people age, they think, oh, I'm, I'm too old for this. Are people intimidated by the technology? And uh, the younger generation, they just jump, they grew up with it. And so they just jump and they're not afraid and they, they just work with it and they figure out how to make things happen with it. Sure. I think one of the things that we're seeing is disruption. You know, you look at the taxi cab industry and oh, yeah. my generation is like, wouldn't you always do it that way? Yeah. And, and millennials came up with the idea of Uber. There's a, there's a different way to do it. That's right. I can remember I went to visit my son and I couldn't get a cab. This was in Atlanta years ago. And I finally went to the bellhop. I'm like, how do I get a cab? Like, cab, you, you need to download the Uber app and use Uber. And it was the first time. And I had, a, I had an Uber in about 10 minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. We're going to put your website up and scroll okay. down the website. Talk to me about the kinds of clients that you like to work with. Yeah, typically I work with levels just below the C-suite, director, uh, vice president levels. And what I noticed earlier in my career was that there were many people that were getting pushed out and marginalized. And I had to figure out why. Like, what was it about it? It was the functional and the technical skills that got them the job, but it was their lack of and weaknesses in relational uh, communication, emotional management that were causing them to get pushed out or, or fired. 
Sure. And I know uh, when somebody is very young, especially today, if they rise up in the ranks and they get to the C-suite level, sometimes they're managing people their dad's age. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think they, they need to take time to earn respect and trust and treat them with dignity, um, but also hold their role and not, not back down. I mean, they, it's their job to make requests and hold people to the, their commitments and be accountable. Sure. Uh, we saw on your website all those logos of different news uh, outlets. We've got a little clip that we're going to run. You were just interviewed, I think, uh, last week or the week before. What was the topic? The topic here was the uh, meeting burnout and in the post-COVID era, um, there people, the, the number of meetings have gone up. Meetings have gone up by about 10% and people have Zoom fatigued and they just need a break. And so we've got to figure out in this post-COVID era how to better manage communication, meetings, bringing people together and be more flexible. And I think a lot of bosses just kind of knee jerk, let's hold a meeting to hold a meeting and uh, the employees just kind of roll their eyes. You don't want to be the boy that cried wolf where every meeting suddenly represents a big waste of time. Yeah, I think one of the things that's happened is I think when everybody went remote, um, people felt like they had to have people in meetings so that they knew that they were working, they knew what they were doing. And that led to increased meetings and no breaks. And I think it's, it's important that we trust people and measure people by the results, not necessarily by how much time they're on the Zoom. Sure. And to know more about Bill, I think it always pays to talk about the home front. And so we've got some pictures that we're going to put up. What are we looking at here? Yeah, so we're looking at my two sons here, Nick on the left and Jordan on the right. And we're on Beale Street. I'm a, I'm a big music lover. And so we went to, and this is me playing guitar. Oh, I've, I've played guitar since I was seven years old. Um, I always knew I wouldn't play professionally, um, but I wanted it to always be a hobby. And unfortunately, I'm able to play, you know, on the weekends in, in a band. And this is my lovely fiance, Karina, and we took dance together, ballroom dance. And one of the things was we, we can't compete because people at our age don't compete as couples. They're ones with a pro, ones, you know, one's an amateur, one's a pro. And so we find ourselves lonely. This is not long ago on my 60th birthday, proposing to Karina. Um, she always wanted to do a, a flying dress shoot in Santorini, so we did that, and I surprised her and asked her to marry me on my 60th birthday. Okay, did she, did she have any idea it was coming? She did not. She did not. I thought she would, but I know her well enough, and I know that she was very surprised. And I think the tears gave it away, too. Yeah. So it was, it was super exciting. And I love it that you had a, a photographer there. So how did you, so you said we're just going to do this, this cool photo? Yeah, Santorini and I think some of the other islands have this, uh, it's, it's almost like an excursion that you can do mm -hmm. when you go. They bring the dresses and one, uh, there's a gentleman that holds the dress at one end and the wind's blowing and, um, and it's, just, it's a photo shoot. It's like a glamour photo shoot. And she always wanted to do that. And actually, um, a couple friends of ours went as well. So it was two women and a, my friend and I. And so we did this photo shoot and it was all about the photo shoot and we happened to do it on my birthday and I happened to have a ring and I proposed to her on that day. So, <laughs> I'm a hopeless a lot romantic, of so I love that. Um, yeah. In the little time we have left, uh, back to your uh, leadership career, how does somebody at home know when they need to bring in a, a Bill Tingle? Yeah, usually there's situations that will lead to, to bringing me in. One is you often see um, People are people are retiring. You know, a lot of people are staying in staying in the workplace. But you know, one of the times is people retire, and all of a sudden, two or three leaders retire, and there's a gap in leadership, and so they'll bring me in. Um, another one is if the high turnover, and we're, we're seeing that. I mean, even you know, in this, the situation we're in, we're seeing even there's there's layoffs, but with layoffs often come high turnover, 
and there's voids in leadership. Um, the other thing in the federal space, 40% of the employees are eligible for retirement now. Wow. And a tsunami is coming. And, and, and I think as, as you start to see that, um, people are going to want to bring me in. And then probably one of the last ones is um, I have a strong track record of bringing failed projects back on the rails. And um, when, when projects have tried three times and they failed all that time, so I get brought in to help with leadership and get the projects back on sure. track. Yeah. And I think that's so important, Bill, because if, if a person is promoted to the C-suite and isn't prepared, one of the number one reasons why people leave their job is because they have a bad boss. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times I will work with uh, executives and coach them on how to create a healthy culture how to treat their employees with care and, and, and be mentors in their career. Outstanding. You've been a great guest. Uh, yeah. We're going to leave with the website, which is tingleleadership.com. The great Bill Tingle. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jeff. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.